Welcome back to another Doctor Supercoach podcast. You're on this week with JB doing the round JB, recap B, 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 <laughs> with that B. man in the background, Pistol. <laughs> How are you, mate? I'm uh, doing all right, JB. My team got off to a shaky start, but I managed to recover on Sunday, so I'm feeling much better <laughs> today than I was on on Thursday night, that's for sure. Yeah, my team got off to a good start and then had a very shaky Sunday, so <laughs> quite the opposite. There was a lot of... Uh, a lot of rookies playing early this round, so our scores looked really bad, and then it turned out they were just really bad because the premiums weren't good either. Well, how bad are you talking? How'd you go this week? Uh, I mean, I put out twenty fifty seven, which is I think one of my worst round one scores in any year that I've played the game. So, not great. My season rank is not great, <laughs> and uh, and I'm not making any trades, pistol. So. I th- I think it's salvageable at this point. There was a couple of rookies that I should have put on the field, and besides that, I'm relying on people like Clayton Oliver and the expensive Ruckman to to bounce back after their poor week. So I think a lot of it is just hopefully a, a poor round, which could have been had at any point in the season. It just had to hit me round one. What about yourself? I managed to score twenty seventy eight, which sounds not that good but it's really good for how I started because I played Bolter in the first game so I had an 18 on my field and then next up I um captained uh, Gorn so I got you know an 87 captaincy score and I was like uh-oh we're you know three games into the season and it's not looking good for me but a strong recovery in the last couple of days and uh yeah fortunately still managed to pip you right at the end with a big uh, I think I think what I needed was Canelio and Wilkie to outscore Sam Collins by 200 points to overtake you, and they did. So <laughs> definitely happened. That, <laughs> that was, yeah, that, that actually was the equation which we were laughing at before the game, but it actually came true, uh, which is crazy in itself. So, so um, a, fa- a fast reaction. Who who are you most happy with after your first round there? Oh, probably Canelio. I mean, I was on him for before the JLT and. Uh, I've been saying that I thought he's going to, you know, go upwards of 115 this year, push 120. And obviously, you know, Kelly wasn't in wards, not in. So maybe not an accurate representation of him for the entire season. But I was certainly extremely pleased uh, when he went above, you know, 160. And uh, annoyingly, I was tossing up between him and Gorn as captain. Obviously, everyone says that in hindsight. But I did shoot you a text message. So, you know, it's true being like, should I change it to Canelio? And I was like, I should change it to Canelio. And then I just, uh, yeah kind of uh, chickened out last minute. So, um, yeah, I'm just happy they have him in my team. Yeah, and, and mine are looking like, I know he's expensive, but a lot of people were off Jake Lloyd this preseason, but I stuck with him who pulled out a 131, which was good. And Matty Crouch, another man who I stuck with most of the preseason, rewarding the faith a little bit with a 138. So, I mean, it looks like we're both are off to shaky starts, but hopefully, like I said, we got hit with those that unlucky round straight off the bat and uh, we bounce back for next week, Pistol. Yeah, I think uh, my team's in a bit of trouble though overall because my structure isn't great. I, uh, <laughs> oh, no. Was, it was bad. I'm, I'm not going not gonna to lie. I, I kind of underestimated the midfield rookies a little bit. I think the thing that I saw with uh, Geelong and their fixtures was, you know, they play Magpies, but then they've got Demons Crows in Adelaide, Giants, Hawks, Eagles, all in a row. And I'm like, do I really want to play Constable for these five, you know, six fixtures in a row of, of terrible things? And I'm like, I don't really. So I managed to push Walsh all the way out to M8, which is huge. Ooh. And then Constable obviously scored well. And 
I just didn't... I know Bailey Scott is a good scorer, so I'm not, like, surprised. But it, it also could have gone one of two ways. It could have been, like, he did badly and was dropped in round two. Or he did well and, you know, stayed in the team. But I didn't want to structure my team around having to play Bailey Scott on the field. So I thought I was playing it safe by pushing Walsh all the way to M8. But what ends up happening is uh, now I feel like I need to remove one of my midfield players so that I can kind of um, free up an, an on-field slot. But that's probably not this week's problem. We'll, we'll reassess after and uh, possibly correctional trades uh, before price changes start in round three. No doubt. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit a little bit about that during the uh, round recap. So uh, before we get into any of that, I will jump into the new Patreon signups for the week. Uh, we'll start off with Kevin Aston Hoey. So welcome to the Patreon, Kevin. Thank you for signing up. Next up is Ho. Oh, got some difficult names here, Pistol, so bear <laughs> with me. Uh, I'm going to say Shane Marchion, I think is the correct pronunciation there. Feel free to abuse me if I, I get it incorrect, but <laughs> the last one is Lee W. <laughs> Should I take a stab at it, Pistol? Yeah, you got, you got it. He, he just signed up as we were, I think, right before we started the podcast. But yeah, go for all right, I'll, I'll call him Lee Wisniewski. All right, I, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it's close. I'm, I'm sure, sure. Lee, <laughs> Lee will let me know, but thank you very much to our three sign-ups for the week. Uh, great to have you guys on board, and uh, I think I think we've had to put in a lot of work in the, the Slack group in the last couple of days, because we're trying to get everyone to stay off of that trade button early on. <laughs> Slack has been absolutely amazing this weekend when the footy was on and everyone was chatting about every game we're up to i think it's 71 people in our slack chat so it was going absolutely wild we obviously have like game day threads and stuff so people are talking about the games and um yeah we're getting a lot of love and support from it as well so it's been absolutely phenomenal it is amazing and something that we don't want to lose touching uh amongst all of that is the cancer council pistol so do we have anything happening there Yes, actually, we. I didn't pod last week, so I wasn't able to give you a reminder. It kind of snuck through, but a big thanks to uh, Tony. Um, Tony Partney says, thanks for all your help and advice in the preseason. Keep up the great work uh, with a very large donation, so very much appreciated. Tony, that pushes our total now to $3,781. Now, I do want to say that the Donate for Donuts is running as always this year and I know some people uh, I'm not going to name any names but it has come to our attention that some people, it it wasn't Cheezo this time um, (laughs) unlike previous years, they forgot to put the emergency on their captaincy loophole and ended up missing out on a ruck score so they they took a self-inflicted donut. Now if you were one of those people out there it would be great if you would support our cause with the Donate for Donuts and kind of, uh, yeah, maybe maybe make a positive out of a negative situation. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to punish people for making a grave error and missing out on a lot of points, Pistol. Well, it's if you consider donating money to the Cancer Council a punishment, then yes, JB. <laughs> Okay, maybe I didn't spin that one correctly. <laughs> no, I got you really badly there. Wow. You sound like a jerk. Yeah, I feel real bad now. So we're just going to jump straight into the round recap pistol. And um, wow, Carlton versus Richmond was the first game of the round kicking off on Thursday. Pistol, let's let's start off a little bit political. Should it be Carlton versus Richmond every single year? Because this one just wasn't as entertaining as a first game of the year should be. Uh, 
I don't, I somewhat disagree. The the atmosphere was absolutely amazing, but I mean Carlton Carlton came at Richmond. Let's let's give them those you know second and big third props quarters. for they sure. Were, they were pushing. I, I think you know the gap's only going to you hope would start to diminish between those two teams, and I, I don't think they. I think Carlton did enough that I was happy enough seeing that as the first game of the round. The first quarter was a bit disappointing, but. Um, I'm, I, I think let's let's give it a go again next year, and we'll see how much that gap is uh, closed year after year. Well, all right, uh, I think I'm a big fan of tradition as it is, but I think a grand final replay to start off the year each year would be. I don't think anyone would complain about that. But uh, having said that, we'll jump into the Carlton side, and we'll start off with Nick Newman. So, a lot of people on Twitter, you'd think he was owned by 100 percent of the the competition with the amount of Twitter. Uh, bonanza that was going on during a Thursday night's game, but Nick Newman did pump out a 134 super coach, and off of the back of 26 disposals, he just looked brilliant, Pistol, and I'm scared to say that he looked so good that, he, I mean, he's in consideration, obviously, for our sides if he's pumping out 134 super coach points, but it just takes me back to JLT 1 and 2, where he put out a massive score in JLT 1, and Cade Simpson was quiet, as he was in this game, and then JLT2, they sort of just reversed scoring. Do, can we expect this being non-owners? Is there some sort of silver lining to this outburst? Well, I think you just need to wait and see. Obviously, Cade Simpson still managed to have 27 possessions, so it's not like when you say he was quiet, yeah, he scored 83 super coach points, but he was still you know there and around the ball. Nick Newman has a lot of things going for him. He had 21 kicks to five handballs, which is an incredibly super coach friendly ratio. He's obviously some outlet for the Blues out of that um, you know back 50. He had 12 rebound 50s, but I think for me the biggest thing was. I said it in an article in the preseason, Nick Newman's points per minute has always been quite good for a defender, but he wasn't getting that many minutes at the Swans. He was only averaging 89 a game last year. So in the very first round of this year, he played 104 minutes on the ground. So if you're playing an extra 15 minutes per match, naturally you're going to score a lot better. So I think that there, he, he will definitely improve on his scoring for next year. He's obviously not going to average 134 points per game, um, but I do think that Newman will have a good season, but I'm not quite convinced that he's going to have a season that puts him within you know the top eight or so defenders. Yeah, fair enough. And I do tend to agree. I think he'll have a lot of up games and uh, quite a few bad games as well. But 134 Supercoach against Richmond is a great start to the season. And if you do own him, you have every right to be celebrating at the moment. So great start for him. Uh, Patrick Cripps is the next one, 126 Supercoach. I think the only thing that we can take away from this from Patrick Cripps, uh, not only is he going to be up and around 120 plus average for the year, uh, a lot of people started him, so there's not a lot to discuss there. But if you get a vice captaincy score like this pistol, you just have to take it. 100%. 100%. I mean, we we saw, well, you never really know what's going to happen in any given week. And if it's 125 plus, unless there's a player that's consistently averaging more than 125, I think you just you just need to take the score. There was so much uncertainty. So yeah, if you didn't take the VC score, it's I think lesson learned and you just move on and uh, you'll know for next week because it looks like Cripps is going to be banging out these scores every week because he looks unbelievable and when the guy wins that much of the ball in his own, he had another 21 contested possessions. He's going to score well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we will quickly touch on Cade Simpson again. 83 super coach points off the 27 disposals, as you said earlier. 
Now, just the 83, a very uncharacteristic for him. Usually, if he gets that much of the footy, he's up and around the 100 or 105 type range. What was it with Cade Simpson? Was he sort of out of the loop with Nick Newman, or is this just a bit of a quieter game to start the season? I mean, watching the game, I didn't think Cade Simpson was just playing particularly well. He he took a lot of the kickouts, and I think that did boost up his score, but really, he didn't look like somebody that scored 83 um, from where I was watching. I, I thought he didn't perform well at all, so I'm not too like surprised that score kind of correlates with how I think he played. But this just might be a poor game. It's obviously against Richmond, which is a tough enough side, and the pressure that they put on the opposition is intense and insane. So maybe against a weaker Port Adelaide side next week, he might score a bit better. Weaker Port Adelaide (laughs) side, interesting. Anyway. I thought uh, you'd like that one. (laughs) We'll jump over to the next talking point, and that is Will Satterfield. I think uh, owned by enough of the competition to say uh, safely that if you've got him in your team, if you're listening to this podcast and you probably got him in your team there's nothing to worry about there a good on-field option if you don't have him pistol then one to watch again for next week and and to jump on if he does the same sort of thing the one rookie or there's two rookies i really want to discuss but firstly sam walsh had 24 disposals and a lot of people in turmoil on twitter about his only lowly score of 68 i mean he just he looked like a kid running out onto the MCG, playing his first game of footy in his life, uh, first game of AFL in his life. And although he had a lot of the ball, he did turn it over a lot. He had six clangers and 54% disposal efficiency. Let's just chalk this up to a, a guy playing a team who's very good with their pressure and just very good in general. I think Sam Walsh is still going to be a great pick for the year. Oh, fantastic. He got 24 touches in his first game. That's all you really want to see. He'll use it better against you know, worse sides. It's a pretty tough ask to come in and ton up against, you know, Richmond. But as I said, a weaker side next week, JB, uh, I think he'll score well. <laughs> Just like Oliver did against that weak in midfield. <laughs> uh, we'll yeah. jump uh, jump over to Michael Gibbons, the last man that I'll talk about on the Carlton side. 35 super coach points, 11 disposals, uh, one behind. Sort of what we were saying in the preseason, he's playing an, an unfavorable role in an unfavorable team for what we'd want in our supercoach side, but still put up 35 points with no goals kicked. If he's able to stay in the side and you know get on the end of a couple of goals every now and then, then I think he's still going to make near enough money to sort of safely put in to that very last midfield spot. Yeah, he actually played, I think, a slightly better role than we saw in the JLT. It looked like he was given the freedom to push further up the ground, uh, which I, I didn't see in the JLT. He was pretty much camped in front of the goals and using you know his smarts to take a couple of quick uh, shots on goal. So I, I actually felt very positive again about Gibbons this week. Again, tough side to play Richmond, but I think against the weaker side, he would get a bit more of the ball, he'll push a bit further, uh, might use it a little bit better. But overall, uh, I'd say that was good signs for, for Michael Gibbons. Before you jump into Richmond, though, JB, uh, one player that we should just slightly um, mention is Zach Fisher playing as an inside midfielder. My man. Scoring a, 109 points. He is cheap um, in Supercoach. Do you think that this is just another person to add to your watch list, or how did you see his performance? I mean, I drafted him in the Keeper League in the preseason pistol, so I do rate him highly, and I'd like to humbly brag about that on the podcast also. But 109 Supercoach points is 
very, very cheap. Uh, I think he's around Toby Green's price, if I'm not mistaken. It's 390k. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, I mean, look, it's hard to jump on someone just after one performance, but if he's able to put something like this together after the second week, and you've got someone around that price, uh, I'm not too sure how many underperformed over the weekend. There weren't a lot. I think it was mid-price madness, really. But <laughs> Billings, if you've got, maybe? <laughs> yeah, if you've got someone like Billings who puts out another you know, 80-ish, 70-ish score, and Zach Fisher does something like this again, then uh, I'm completely okay with you making your first and only trade over the first couple of weeks to just sort of correct that onto Zach Fisher. I think he's going to have a great season. And uh, an 80, 85 is 85-ish average wouldn't be out of uh, out of the realms of possibility and uh, could even push on a little bit higher. I don't think it'll be a top eight forward, but it might score you some more points and save you a bit of money if you're on someone a little bit more expensive. Yeah, well, what did you see? We'll jump to the Richmond side. Toby Nank absolutely dominated, 127 super coach points, kicked three goals. He was a monster. How did you, what, like, what do you take from this game? It's it's hard with Nank. Uh, he kicked three goals, but I mean he's he's obviously not going to average anyone near that during the season. Maybe he gets one goal a game uh, on average and scores you know 107 SuperCoach, but it's it's sort of hard to assess Ruckman because we saw the big premiums fail and and the middle middle tier Ruckman that did kick goals with the highest scorers. So. I mean, if Toby's able to get on the scoreboard often uh, and you started him in your side, I'd be very happy. But, yeah, I think it's hard to assess with a three goals there, Pistol. He, I think people are flocking to him, which is understandable given his score. But And he also looked amazing. But let's, let's take a step back and remember that they did play Carlton, who most people are predicting will finish in the bottom four. And that he wasn't even playing against Cruiser, who's a good ruckman. He, he was playing against Andrew Phillips. So let's just take a deep breath and um, watch him instead next week definitely agreed there so the next man is dustin martin and now i'd like you to explain the super coach scoring system here to me pistol because 81 super coach points uh, he did have 30 touches at 63 percent disposal efficiency racked up seven clangers uh including of which were three uh frees against didn't get a tackle for the match and got 109 super coach points now I don't know if I was a Dustin Martin owner whether I'd be stoked with this, considering the room for improvement that is obviously there, or if I'd be worried that you know you know he's putting out these sort of numbers and only just scraping the ton sort of thing. I would be stoked if I was a Dusty <laughs> owner right now, not just because of this score, but just for the fact is I don't think you'll see Dusty play a worse game for the season. Like he was genuinely average in this match he got caught holding the ball he didn't use it particularly well um he did get 15 contested possessions but that's not something that he can't do it week in week out I, I just think he's got another gear to go to and if he managed to still score 109 in this match he is going to have a massive season yeah i tend to disagree <laughs> i think uh, <laughs> i think his disposal efficiency will, will hover around that mark for the season i don't think he's a very good user of the ball and he did get Oof, 30 touches okay. which is about what he would be expected to get on a a good night maybe he'll pop up with some big 35 touch games here and there but 30 touches is generally a good night uh four marks i don't expect him to go tackleless uh for the season and i don't expect him to give away three free kicks nothing but he also racked up 15 contested possessions so it's it's not like he wasn't getting super coach friendly disposals also so i think 109 super coach points is about where his average will be for the season pistol 
I mean, he has averaged above 30 possessions twice in the last four seasons, including this season. So I guess twice and two times in the last <laughs> Including three. this season. That's a bit so, rough. <laughs> so no. <laughs> okay, two of the last three seasons, he has averaged above 30 touches a game. So this could be, as you said, his average. And I, I think he will use it much better and you know not get caught holding the ball. There was a bit of rust. Um, so yeah, I think we're sitting on the opposite sides of the fence there. I'd be very happy if I owned Dusty at the moment. <laughs> well, fingers crossed for those who do own him. Uh, and we'll move on to Jaden Short, 67 Supercoach points. Uh, sort of a point of difference option. I'm not sure how highly owned he is, but he did rack up 20 disposals. Didn't look horrible. Did get 18 kicks as well. Uh, wasn't able to kick a goal, but did have one of those flying shots from outside 50 that he'd normally put through. Just this 67 Supercoach points, though, Pistol. So very concerning for those who own him. It is. Um, so wait and see, and better luck next week. But let's talk about uh, <laughs> probably the biggest name of this game, and that is Noah Bolter. <laughs> Tell me, what do you do if you own Bolter right now? I know you don't. That's why I'm getting your opinion on it. <laughs> um, I mean, at the moment, there's just there's nothing to be concerned about unless you've got you know ten people that are in dire need of trading in your side. Uh, generally speaking, Noah Bolter and Sam Collins are people's main concerns at this point. And I mean, if, if that's all that you've got, then I'd happily just hold him until next week. And uh, if he's dropped, it's a different story. But look, he could turn around like he did in the JLT. He scored uh, a decent score in JLT one and an average score in JLT two. He could be much better next week. And without rants now for the season, he could be playing that sort of uh, intercept marking role, which I think would suit him better than being a ruck sort of half forward, which he was this game. Uh, only 52% time on ground as well, hence the, the 18 super crunch points. Look, I'd hold him if he was named still, Pistol, but if he's not named and I've missed out on someone like Parker for Bolter, I'd probably be making that trade this round. I was so excited when he was on like 24 points at quarter time. I'm like, Before this is going time. amazing. He was yeah, at 24 I, points with like eight minutes left in the first quarter. I was like, this is unreal. I've absolutely nailed this. Barely anyone's played him. This is going fantastic. And then he just <laughs> lost points for the rest of the entire match. It was like... Just like watching my season fade away while I'm like <laughs> running after it in the background. It was awful. And honestly, I think if he goes down back, it's probably just going to be better for his you know, scoring potential, at least hopefully his job security if he does a decent job. So fingers crossed he can you know, stay in the side and flip back and fill in that Alex Rance kind of void and uh, just score better than 18 and lesson <laughs> learnt and he'll be on my bench. I mean, let's be honest, this this will probably be his lowest score ever. So the worst is past now. <laughs> I like that optimism, JB. <laughs> Silver lining. Now, <laughs> uh, I think I'm okay to move on to the next game, Pistol. Yes. What do you think? Yep. Let's yep, okay. It. So the next one was Collingwood losing to Geelong, Pistol. I'm not sure if you I caught this regrets. one. Let's skip this game. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, this game was odd. <laughs> not a lot of high scores, in fact. 108 was the highest score for the round, which was by Reece Stanley. But we will start off with Collingwood, and those who started Adam Trelaw would have mixed feelings. Uh, 34 disposals, 6 tackles, a goal even. Uh, had a lot of supercoach-friendly statistics coming out of this one, but 10 clangers, only one of which was a free kick, and 61% disposal efficiency. 
had him score 102 instead of 130. So as we said with Dustin Martin earlier, I think there are enough good signs for Trelaw owners to be content with this. Yeah, Trelaw loves a clanger. He does. Um, he does love a clanger. <laughs> ten, 10 is a lot of clangers, but honestly, he played fine. Like, if, if as, as you said, if 102 is one of his worst games, he's on track for a good season. If I own Trelaw, I would not worry in the slightest. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be too concerned either. Jamie Elliott, Pistol, 84 supercoach points off the eight disposals, which is impressive in and of itself. Uh, five tackles, three goals, 100% disposal efficiency, which probably isn't sustainable. He'll probably turn it over at least once during the season. <laughs> um, 84 supercoach points, priced very low in the, uh, the 200,000 uh, echelon. What are your thoughts on Jamie Elliott? And again, if you've started someone like Billings and, and sort of missed someone else that you could upgrade to, we'll talk about people like Tommy Rockliffe later on. What are your thoughts on jumping on Jamie Elliott after maybe another match pistol? No, I definitely wouldn't do that. <laughs> Elliott's so reliant on goals and you, you can't really bank on that. And he's not even that cheap. He's still 280K and I think there's better, cheaper options as well. So um, I'm glad he did well for the Pies and for those who started him, but definitely I would not be suggesting to anyone to, to look to trade him in. Well then, very harsh on Jamie, but I tend to agree <laughs> anyway. Uh, Brody Grundy's the next one to chat about. Actually, stop. We'll, we'll talk about Jack Crisp as well quickly. 26 disposals in this one, um, 83 super coach points. Is this where we think he'll hover around for the season? Because I know a lot of people were on him as a point of difference option. I I think he'd average about 10 points per game more than this. Um, he, he just didn't use the ball very well and, you know, Pies lost. It wasn't really a super coach friendly game, as you can see by all the scores being a bit spread out. So I wouldn't really worry about this one, JB. But um, before we do jump into Brody Grundy, I would like to mention that Scott Pendlebury looked awesome. He said how his back, he, he had back surgery, kind of. No one knew about it, but... His back had all locked up last year and he couldn't you know, bend properly and he didn't realize how much it was affecting him until he's regained full mobility um, this season. And honestly, he could be a great POD at some stage of the season when Collingwood have a good run of games and he looks like he'll be playing as a, a mid, pure midfielder for this season as well. I mean, maybe he we'll see what happens when Adams is back. Knees, didn't he? Yeah, he couldn't bend at all. So, I mean, we'll see what happens when Adams comes back, but I'm definitely eyeing him off for around the buys um, if he's still scoring well. Do you think that's why he bounced the ball on that pigeon that day? <laughs> just because he, he wasn't sure. He couldn't bend down to pick yeah, it back Just a bit of anguish <laughs> with the back injury. He had to just take it out on someone. No, I, I can't imagine uh, Pendlebury would ever try and uh, harm any living being. Okay. Well, anyways, we'll talk about Brody Grundy. 18 disposals, a couple of tackles, a lot of hitouts with 34. And then there were the bad things. He gave away five free kicks. Um, I'm not sure many of them were warranted. I was watching the game, getting very upset at the TV. Kicked a couple of behinds as well, uh, one of them of which you'd expect him to put through uh, as per memory. 55% disposal efficiency. Didn't have a lot going on for him this game and had Reese Stanley jumping all over his head for pretty much the entirety of the match. A lot of people don't know, but Reese Stanley is quite a restrictive ruckman. Brody Grundy, 81, how concerned are you on a scale of 1 to 10? Zero, I think. I'm not... I, I, probably people expect there nice. to be a little 
little uh, <laughs> a little concerned, but I'm not I'm not worried at all. 34 touches is a great sign. 18 disposals is a good sign as well. Like if you're a ruckman, average these numbers every match, um, and probably use the ball a bit better, you'd be perfectly fine. He, he had 14 contested possessions, seven clearances. I'm not worried about Grundy at all. He'll go bang. Um, at, just wait till the Pies win and we'll see a different result. And as you said, Reece Stanley is very good at limiting his opposition scores. And luckily for us next week, he's got Max Gorn. <laughs> That's good news. Uh, but we're yeah. getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, Darcy wow. Moore is the next one, Pistol. Oh, no. 77 Supercoach points. Uh, was very, very threatening to uh, to blow that out of the water. Had about four disposals in the last five minutes of this game. I think each one of them went to an opposition chest and took him down from 84 to 77, in which he definitely could have gone up to around the, the 95-ish mark if he was able to hit a few targets there. But 16 disposals, just the four marks, which is surprisingly low considering he did look a, a bigger threat in the air than what that would suggest. Four contested possessions and 92% time on ground, which I think is a huge statistic for Darcy Moore. What are your thoughts? You did not start him after all the hype. Okay. Well, you let the cat out of the bag there. (laughs) Sorry. I did want to say Darcy Moore looked unreal and he definitely could have gone over 100 in this match. And yes, my confession is even though he spent... I'd say the entire... I had him in my team when he was... I think he was in 2% of teams. So this was well, really early Jan. He's been in my side. My last day shuffle, which I massively regret, included removing Darcy Moore because I needed that 100K. um, Because I made my team and I was happy with it. And I had 150K left over. And it was a very awkward amount. So what I did was I removed Darcy Moore to Noah Bolter well, you can see how that's already gone, and use that 250k now on the bank <laughs> to upgrade Butters to Brad Crouch. I had my pick of Sheed, Rockliffe, and Brad Crouch, and yep, nailed that. And uh, yeah, so I managed to put have Brad Crouch on my field instead of a, a rookie like Scott, and managed to have Bolt on on my field instead of Darcy Moore. So yeah, really nailed that final shuffle. But I have massive regrets, JB. Yeah, I mean, we're all here for you, um, besides me. I'd <laughs> more recommend uh, messaging Chizo. <laughs> well, we're going to jump into the Jong side <laughs> after that depressing tale, um, and we'll start <laughs> off with Tim Kelly, 106 supercoach points and 31 disposals, unless my maths is horrific there. Had a great game. Oh, in that first quarter, he looked unbelievable he blew us apart he just he was incredible I, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed that he tailed off obviously you can't maintain that for the whole match but it was a big drop off I think he was on like over 50 at quarter time and then just ended on 106 but he was playing in the midfield you know I mean there were stints up forward as you'd expect he can't play the entire game in the midfield but he, he looked very dangerous very threatening and if he comes out next week and he can even play two quarters like his first quarter. He's going to be one of the highest averaging forwards this season. They do still have a tough run to start off with. Uh, if they he do. didn't start Tim Kelly, wouldn't be too concerned? I mean, if you're grabbing him at the end of next round, they've already passed, they would have passed two hard fixtures and he's probably would have scored well in both of them if you're considering getting him. So I guess fixture doesn't really matter that much in, in that case. 
I guess so. So uh, then other guy, the uh, partner in crime up in the forward line, Sam Menegola, 101 supercoach points as well off just 19 touches and 64% time on ground, which is quite insane. Um, You'd expect that to go up at least a little bit during the season. What are our thoughts on Sam Menegola? Because out of these two, it looked like if Menegola played a normal time on ground, he probably would have outscored Kelly. But at the same time, Kelly was amazing and you know they, they both just looked great. Yeah, I think I'd stay away from Menegola. It looks like he's a little bit underdone. He's got very low time on ground at the moment, and we could see that during the JLT as well. We thought they were just like easing him back into the season, but it's continued into round one. So until he's playing you know, closer to 80% time on ground, remember this guy has one of the best tanks in the AFL. So for him to be playing 64% time on ground, he's clearly not at 100% capacity. So I know he scored really well, in that lower percentage time on ground, but it's not guaranteed, you know, in a, a contest that's a blowout. If he's just not on the ground when it's close as well, he, he's going to struggle to score. So he may have a couple of bad games um, in this stretch. So let's just wait and see on Menegola, I think. Yeah, I tend to agree. He's definitely a wait and see. And I'm, I'm going to wait and see on Tim Kelly as well. I think both of them over the next four or five weeks can just really prime themselves for one of your first upgrades considering the Ford rookies will be quite ordinary still so we'll move over to the next man uh we won't talk at all about Patrick Dangerfield I don't think um I don't think there's much really to say other than the fact that he had a bit of a down game yep move on perfect so the four rookies that did come into this game Charlie Constable Jordan Clark Tom Atkins and uh, Grian Myers interesting first name there Grian but uh, Charlie Constable obviously looked the best 85 super coach points off 66% time on ground uh, against Collingwood as well, I know you said earlier that they have a tough run and it's going to be hard to field someone like Constable each week, but I think he's just good enough <laughs> to field most weeks. Well, yeah, basically. He he looks like he'll at least average 60, which is definitely good enough for a rookie. I think this score was a little bit lucky in terms of he really did a lot of work when the game was on the line, so all of those points he scored were you know scaled up a bit more. Um, he kicked a goal when it was important. He, he did all the right things to score you know to his potential. Uh, I think um, in that last quarter or something, he he had I can't even remember how many points it was, but it was a lot. He he wasn't like he was tracking all, all right and then then finished really strongly. So uh, yeah, I, I'd expect a sixty plus from Constable um, even during this hard run of games. Yeah, and uh, Tom Atkins, his teammate, won for the bench. I think. If you miss Tom Atkins on a score of 57, uh, is he the type of player that you'd be making a corrective trade on? Uh, for example, if you started someone like, I'm trying to... Let's say Hately. Yeah, if you started Hately who, who didn't actually get in uh, through the emergencies and you missed out on someone like Atkins, are we waiting another week on that sort of trade or see if they're, you know, if Hately's name this week and if he's not, maybe make the trade? What are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, Atkins could be dropped uh, at the end of next week, so there's no real reason... Unless it's a very special circumstance, I wouldn't really advocate trading at all this week. Um, but yeah, there's, there's there are some circumstances we'll talk about a bit later. But yeah, Tom Atkins at the moment he didn't set the world on fire, but he he did his role. Like he played all right. I, I don't think he's going to get dropped anytime soon. So if you did miss him, um, he's just going to be a slow burning cash cow that will limp towards the 150k. Um, you know, making you 150k mark. But yeah, I'm not you're not like desperate to grab him right now. You could really see, uh, I'll go off topic for a second here, you could really see what Geelong did in the off-season and 
you could tell that they recognised that they had a lot of players that were forwards and good goal-kicking forwards, but not pressure forwards. And by going out and getting people like Atkins and Dalhouse, they really locked it into their forward half. And I, if this was this time last season, I think Collingwood would win by 10 goals almost. But Geelong just... They look like a completely different side out there. I think Atkins is pivotal for that. Well, they had like half a different team, so I think that probably helps. We got we got the old Harry Taylor playing in the back line where he scores well, scoring a hundred and he's only priced at two sixty K. Yeah, Jordan Clark come in and look unbelievable. That kid is so good. Um he was exciting and yeah, I know I'm probably talking about him now now you didn't get a chance sorry JB but he was so good so exciting took the game on no fear he's he's got a role on that side for a long time to come so um that that's a great one and yeah as you said you've got the Dalhouse um along with yeah you've got Marco Connor getting a game who I disliked from last season because it cost <laughs> me so many points yeah Myers came in yeah it's just a it's they're they're a good unit and they yeah they identified what they needed and they got it they do look good. Actually, they, they look very good. Now, we'll probably jump over to the next match unless there's someone that I've missed, no. Pistol. Jump, jump. Perfect. So, next match was Melbourne versus Port, and we'll jump straight into the Melbourne side. It was not a lot of goodness coming from their midfield. Start off with Andrew Brayshaw, uh, sorry, Angus Brayshaw, who um, <laughs> snuck into a few teams late in the piece here, including your own Pistol. I let the cat out of the bag again there. Just the 89 <laughs> super coach points uh, to grace you for the first time. 26 disposals, which I'd say is below what he'll be averaging aroundabouts for the season, but was in typical butcher fashion. Uh, 57% efficiency, four clangers. Didn't look great, but didn't look too bad. Just 89 super coach points. Are you getting cold feet? <laughs> we'll see how he goes next week. I'm, I'm not feeling great, but again, like yeah, I could have started Clayton Oliver and he scored worse, so I'll take that as a win. Well, I was going to start one Melbourne player. It was either going to be, well, one midfielder. It was either going to be Oliver or Brayshaw, and I went with Brayshaw. And he led the team for contested possessions with 16. He led the team for clearances with eight. So he did all the right things. He, he kicked a goal, so... It's just his disposal efficiency and the amount of touches. He he really struggled with that volume that we were seeing over the last latter parts of the season, last season, and the JLT. So hopefully next week, I know it's against the Cats, so it's a, a tough ask, but if he doesn't look any better and he scores another mid-80s, I'm going to have some issues on my hands, but at this stage, I'm not too worried. I think same goes for Clayton Oliver as well. If he puts out another score similar to last week, then... I think we start getting concerned with him, but 23 disposals is very low for his uh, sort of standard. And a score of 71, I think we'll look back on in a few months' time and really realise that it was a, a low point for the season. So not a whole lot to worry about there. Uh, Max Gorn, 87 Supercoach points, only 21 hitouts, and look, I think Port came in with a pretty clever tactic using the two Ruckman and... Pretty much everyone, yeah, I even saw Ken Hinckley at halftime going and roughing up Max Gorn. Everyone was getting into him. And I don't think the big man loved it. Still put out a big 87. Uh, well, not a big 87. Still put out 87. Not too bad for Max. Yeah, he just got beaten. I mean, 21 hitouts when the guy averaged over 40 last year is shocking. And he dropped his head. He, he wasn't... I mean, he tried, but there was nothing he could do. They just absolutely destroyed him right in life. So they had a body on him at all times. And yeah, Gorn was not happy. But 
<laughs> it happens. Next game against Reece Stanley, I'm not feeling too confident again. But he's still going to end up in the top three Ruckman, probably top two Ruckman for the season. So just going to have to suck it up and move on. I'll be pretty surprised if he doesn't respond with a big 120 next week. All right. I, I know it's against Reece Stanley, but I, I'd be, I feel like it's his character to come out and just absolutely dominate a Ruckman the week after that. Well, I guess, I guess we'll see. I, I think he was brought. Uh, I, I think he was in the headlines a lot more than he wanted, what he likes to be, and uh, especially for a soft performance, for what a lot of people are saying. So we'll jump into the next person, and that is Marty Hoare. Now, the rumours, if you want to listen to them, Pistol, are that Marty Hoare and Sam Frost will be heading out of the team for Kolodajny and May at the end of the week. If that's the case, what do we do with Hoare when we've got players such as Wilkie and? That's about it. Um, scoring decently <laughs> that not a lot of people started with. Uh, are we still waiting the one week to see how all the other players go or are we sort of jumping straight off Marty Hoare? No, we'll... I don't know. We'll, we'll wait and see, <laughs> I, don't know. I, think, I think, look, they had they had both uh, Corey Wagner and, and Tom Sparrow in this game and I feel like... Um, I think Jaden Hunt only played, I guess, down back because of the fact that Lewis was a late out. And they brought in, you know, a forward. So they pushed Hunt from his, you know, JLT forward position, which he looks good in. And they pushed him down back, and he still looks quite good. Um, but that just means that there's that flexibility where it might not be a like-for-like replacement. Like they could remove Hoare this week for um, Koldajny, but then next week they might remove, you know, Wagner and flip Hunt to play forward. And then there's another back slot, and they could could put Hoare back in, for example. So um, we'll, we'll see. There's no point worrying about this, the rumours until it's confirmed anyway. But I did want to talk about both Wagner and Sparrow because they're both listed as midfielders. They're both um, at rookie price, 123k and 117k respectively. Um, do you think either of them made a good enough case to be worthwhile um, selections, especially if they get named for their third game in future weeks? Uh, it's a tough one. They both scored uh, about the same in the low 60s and... As much as they looked okay, uh, Sparrow especially uh, looked very good, I thought. But it's it's hard to say. I mean, if they lose a couple on the trot, then I wouldn't be expecting them to run run out with too many new players uh, in the next few weeks. I think, unfortunately, the young players are the first ones to go when a team sets on a losing streak that's unexpected. But, yeah, I mean, as you said, I, I think it's just we just have to take it as it comes. And Sparrow and Wagner, they look decent enough, but... I mean, it could be a different story next week. They could might not even make it to next week. So, yeah, definitely a wait and see. I think Sparrow in particular looked really good. Yeah, he did and, look the better one for sure. And he he's 117K. And if he scores another mid-60s next week and, and, you know, either they bounce back or either way he holds his spot and doesn't look like the worst player on the ground, he could definitely be somebody that I think is worthwhile trading in because he just seemed to fit into that... Melbourne side and Lewis is out for a couple of weeks we hear um, with that hammy injury anyway so um, yeah the, the job security is not quite there but at least it's if he plays well he'll continue to get a game so um, just keep that in the back of your mind I think um, for future weeks no doubt so uh, we are running a little bit long so we'll talk about the top three uh, players for poor I think we can give a big tick to all of the rookies that played in this one besides well even I mean, Rose, Rose for his price was uh, he wasn't great, but I think we, right. we expected that coming in anyway. Like he'll put out some some good scores and some okay scores and some bad scores. But 
We'll talk straight up about the first three uh, Port Adelaide players. First of all, uh, Justin Westhoff, underrated, I think, coming into this season, but it's not every day he's going to kick five goals. Um, without the five goals, maybe with just one or two, he still would have turned up. Is he the sort of player that we've just overlooked and now have to look at for an early upgrade target, or is it maybe a flash in the plan? What are we thinking? Well, you're the Port Adelaide man, but to me it looked like uh, he was starting on a wing and running forward, um, and kind of that space from that 6-6-6 definitely allowed him to just, I guess, sneak on by in and just kick some goals from right, like really close. And Westhoff is someone that, with that DPP, he suddenly becomes even more valuable than his average suggests. I wouldn't pay a premium for that DPP, but if he's going to average around the top, eight to ten forwards this year, which we weren't sure how it was all going to work when they brought in Lyset and stuff. If, if he is tracking towards that, then he's certainly someone worthwhile considering, at least around that Port Adelaide buy because they've got the first buy round. So be a, a good upgrade target for your forward line, and then you've managed to have Ruck covered for the rest of the year as well. So um, I, he, he's someone that you, you've, you've got to consider at least. And before we get into your man, another Port Adelaide forward, Travis Boak, uh, 34 disposals was huge in this one. Eight tackles as well. We did say in the preseason, he and Ebert were essentially swapping roles. Uh, we'll see a lot more of that when Wines comes back and Ebert plays more forward than even he did was able to this game. But Travis Boat will be a, a mainstay in that midfield and 119 supercoach points. Great start for him. I didn't think he, was, he still had this ceiling in him, but I guess when Port Adelaide wins... Uh, the type of game that this was, then he's going to put out a good score. But it just depends on how much you back Port to to win too many of these games. So I think he's a decent option. And around the buyers, we'll probably be able to better assess whether we want him in our teams. Just lastly, uh, I'll let you pretty much talk for as long as you want to about Tom Rockliffe Pistol. As long as I want? What did I do to deserve this? <laughs> um, so Rockliffe, it's interesting, right? He, he scored... 138 points. He had 44 possessions, 10 marks, um, 8 tackles. For all intents and purposes, Rockliffe is back. Like He looked exactly how he's looked in the past, where he was tearing up the competition. He looked like that in the second JLT. In the first JLT, he didn't really quite look like that, but also only played 60% time on ground. But I have a question for you. Well, actually, I don't because I'm going to answer it myself. So ignore that I said that, JB. But <laughs> okay. Wines coming back into the side, I see Boke being the one, sorry, not Boke, Ebert being the one that's going to get pushed out as per the preseason comments that he will play more in the forward. Even Robbie Gray spent time in the midfield and I think he could play further forward. Um, and even Will Drew might not be taking as many center bounce attendances with Wines back. I don't see Rockcliffe being the person that's going to make way, especially when he's in this form. Now, I can see all over the internet the same sentence, which is driving me mad, and it's that, let's wait and see how Rockcliffe goes next week before jumping on him. To that, I say, if you are going to get Rockcliffe, if he scores well next week, you should get him this week. Because he's not going to score badly against Carlton. This guy's record against Carlton is absolutely insane. He has two scores above 180 against Carlton. He has two more scores, not even including those, above 145 against Carlton. That is absolutely monster. And if you were going to wait and see, don't wait. Get him this week. Put the vice captaincy on him and just enjoy the points. There's no point 
in waiting to see if he's going to score well. If you're going to wait because you're not sure if you want him or not, that's fair enough. Just don't wait to see if he scores well again because I'll tell you now, he's going to score well this week. <laughs> All right, well, I regret giving you the floor there, but uh, I think you said it well. Um, I wouldn't be wouldn't be making my decision based on what he does against Carlton next week because notoriously does great against them, as you said. Uh, and personally, he looks back from JLT2 when he was able to put out 87% time on ground, which was pretty much a career high for Port Adelaide. Uh, he hadn't been fit pretty much ever for us. And limited preseason last season, which he, he did not have this season, he does look pretty good. <laughs> Pistol out. Usually I'd want to talk you out of this sort of craziness, but damn, Tom Rockley's back. <laughs> Get him in. No, his time on ground's noticeably, I guess, he, he as you said, uh, in the JLT, he played more in that JLT too than he played at all at any stage of last season. So I think he's back. I, I, I'm assuming he's going to go within close to the top 10 um, midfielders if he's back, if he is not going to get injured. I'm not, like, I, I think that is, my gut feel is that he's back, but I'm not really willing to get him. I know he's going to score well next week, but I'm not really willing to get him um, for sure, so I'm just going to wait and see how we go week three or four. Maybe use a first upgrade sub, but maybe I'll get him at the buys and just pay an extra 100, 120k if I have to, um, just to like confirm that he's back. But yeah, at, at this stage, if you're going to go through with it based on next week's score, just do it now. Well then, we'll go to Adelaide versus Hawthorne, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll start off with. I mean, I spoke about him off the top. I think Matt Crouch just looks excellent this year and there's no reason uh, that anyone that didn't start him should be unhappy whatsoever. So big ticks for Matty Crouch. Uh, Rory Laird, only 102 off the back of 29 disposals. He did just look like Rory Laird though, didn't he? Yeah, he's going to be a top three defender this year. I don't think we've ever really strayed from that except that I didn't believe his value wasn't there to start the year, which it's... I mean, he scored a ton. I guess it's what you kind of expect. But, yeah, you'd like to see a couple of bigger games from Laird, but we'll we'll take our ton, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Brad Crouch, the 91 Supercoach points, 28 disposals. The uh, the issue with Brad was never the fact that he could score because we know he can, and 90 is a good start for him. The fact that he could get injured is why you may not have gone with him, uh, but if you did take the plunge, big ticks for round one, I think. Uh, not much negative can really be said there. Brody Smith, just the 81 Supercoach points now. A lot of people were a little bit upset about this score, but I think this is about what we can expect around the 80 to 90 mark with the occasional ton. Yeah, I think Brody Smith should take more kickouts and play on from more kickouts because... That's what we were promised. So He had more handballs <laughs> than kicks. I'm not sure he would have done that in his career prior to this game. Uh, it's very strange. I, I would just chalk this up to Adelaide losing. Maybe we should judge the Adelaide options um, more properly after they get a couple of wins on the board because I still think they're going to be pushing that top four this season. <laughs> and this one they got completely Adelaide. Yeah, wiped the floor top with. Top four. So. <laughs> Everyone talking about Adelaide. Nobody talking about Port Adelaide top four, I tell you. Yeah, that's a good reason for that. <laughs> yeah, I know there is. I'm not that crazy, everyone. Uh, we'll, st- <laughs> we'll go to Hawthorne. James Warple, 110 Supercoach points. And we have our our admins who are in a keeper league absolutely drooling over this fella. I think he's a great prospect this season while he's got forward eligibility without Tom Mitchell. 12 contested possessions, 
uh, three tackles, did boot a couple of goals, which pumped his score up a lot, but just a 66% disposal efficiency. So some room to improve as well. And looks like he'll be a decent forward for the year. Not certain he'll be in that top eight. Yeah, I think the position hasn't really changed from the beginning of the year. I think we thought he didn't have that ceiling. I mean, 110 is pushing a good, like a relatively good ceiling, but I'm not like blown away that he's definitely going to go, you know, 100 plus this year. I still think he'll go around the, the low 90s mark, but this was definitely a good sign, and Hawks did get the win, and now I want to see what he does when they, they lose a couple. Yeah, no doubt. I tend to agree. Yeah, they uh, if they are on a couple of losses, then we could be seeing a completely different Warple. So. Uh, we'll go down the list quite a bit here. Um, well, we'll start off by saying Sicily was quite good and pumped out 100. It's Gunston, JV. It's always Gunston, we're the not, guy that you... We're not always... talking about Gunston. There's no you way. You never let me talk about Gunston. No, James Sicily put out 100. <laughs> 26 super coach points, 10 marks. Did look good back in his defensive role. And uh, that's it, Pistol. Uh, with James Custis? No, I was saying for Gunston. You can talk about Gunston if you want. Oh, okay. No, that's good because Gunston kicked one goal four. So his ton of 103 points could have looked much better. Gunston is always around the top <laughs> 10 forwards every single season, and he always gets to a price that's very cheap, and then no one picks him every single season. So it's just like the same old Gunston, the same old story, and I think he's at least worthwhile looking at around the buys. He's got a favorable buy as well, so... Let's just wait and see on Gunson. If he has a couple more good games, he's definitely a, a sneaky point of difference pick. And the Hawthorne draw with um, Bulldogs, Kangaroos, Saints, uh, Geelong, and then Blues all in a row, they're going to have some big wins coming up. Maybe. <laughs> James Cousins, 72 super coach points. <laughs> Scored significantly lower than what he did in Dream Team. Uh, racked up a couple of junk time goals and only went at 50% disposal efficiency. But I think it was a big tick for those who started with James Cousins this year. Yeah, he looks good. But as you said, 50% disposal efficiency. Kicked some goals late when the game was over, so they weren't worth you know bulk points. But he did enough. I think if you owned him, you'd be happy. But I wouldn't at this stage be at least scrambling to get him in, that's for sure. Yep, and Jack Scrimshaw, in a winning effort, put out 56 Supercoach points, someone that can be in consideration for our uh, our starting lineup. But, I mean, I think we pick our positions against uh, with picking Jack Scrimshaw. So not someone that would be starting on field each week, but not someone that I'd be too concerned with either. Yeah, I think he was not that good uh, in this match, but definitely room to improve, and um, he'll probably just build on that. The five tackles is a good sign as well. Next game, uh, had Bulldogs defeating Sydney Swans, as if this round wasn't confusing enough. And we'll start off with Marcus Bontepelli, 158 Supercoach points, Pistol. And you've been waiting for this for years, but he was still swinging between midfield and forward, but had an absolute ripper game and uh, was able to get on the scoreboard whilst racking up almost 30 touches. Got the seven tackles, which is you know why he's such a big-body contested beast. What are your thoughts on Bont? Because I can't say I've put in a lot of consideration for him this season. I mean, Bont does this, right? Like, he looks like an absolute world beater, and then Bevo plays him at full forward for five weeks in a row. So, <laughs> yeah. You, you just you get wherever. If he plays in the midfield, he scores big. If he plays forward, he scores badly. And the problem is, we, we don't really know where he's going to play for the entire season. If you told me right now that Bont will play 22 games as an inside midfielder, I'd select him, 
but if you can't promise me that, then I can't really pick him. So it's as simple as that. Fair enough. Uh, someone that I can promise you will be in the midfield for the whole season is Jack McRae, 132 points. Really showing the faith to those who jumped on his massive price tag and showed that he has a lot of room to improve as well. Just the three tackles, which I think is slightly below his average, 68% disposal efficiency. I think he can go much bigger than he showed this game. And if that wasn't good enough, 93% time on ground Amazing. as a midfielder. Amazing. That is insane. The guy doesn't get a break. He just runs the whole game and just racks up touches. So... Yeah, he's going to be an unreal pick, and this is this is a good year for, for McRae. No doubt. Uh, Josh Dunkley, the next one, playing through the middle uh, through a lot of this game. 98 supercoach points off the back of 20 disposals and Dunkley things with seven tackles. Looked good. Yeah, I think we'll watch him again next, next week, but he, he got a lot of midfield time in this match, and if he gets this much midfield time next week he's going to finish around that top six forward mark. So certainly somebody that I've got my eye on and I'm hoping next week that he gets a lot of midfield time. Yeah, now just coming back in this one after the full season of Tom Liberatore, 28 disposals, just the three tackles, gave away a couple of frees, could have kicked a couple of goals with the two behinds there, 60% disposal efficiency, but still got up to 75 points at 300k, I don't think there's any reason to even consider moving Libra out of your team. Yeah, 28 touches. He actually had a very good stat line. The problem was he did some damage when the game was over, so it wasn't really worth that many points. But honestly, if he if he gets this exact stat line every single week, he's easily going 90-plus. So I'm not unhappy at all with how he went. And uh, yeah, let's just, just move on to the Swan side. Yep, so someone else who was able to put up 93% time on ground, Jake Lloyd, 131 Supercoach points. Amazing. <laughs> if you started him at 600k, you'd be absolutely stoked because he looks like he's going to be everything that he promised to be this year and was last year and much, much more pistol. Yeah, the the reason I started Jake Lloyd was simple and it's that the Swans want to get the ball into his hands and watching the game, it's evident that when a key defender takes a mark down back Lloyd just runs behind them and they just like handball it off to him like they could kick it 55 meters themselves but they just handball it to Lloyd and then he takes the 55 meter kick so he gets all of these like cheap possessions um, out of nowhere which means he can like rack up the pill really quickly and score in bursts so in that final quarter um, this week he, he managed to score 50 points so they just give him the ball and he uses it well he went at 85% by foot He's going to be in the top two defenders this year easily. And uh, yeah, very happy with uh, that selection, that's for sure. He's amazing. Uh, we'll go on to Isaac Heaney. Played a lot of time forward, uh, just the 19 disposals, five tackles, couple of goals in there as well. Surely, if they want to be more in games and in the running for the top eight and not losing to the Bulldogs, they put this guy in the middle pistol. Yeah, I think... Um not really sure what Horse is doing as a coach. He seems to react very slowly uh, to games. He's not big on changing it up, I think, which is a bit worrying. But, yeah, Heaney wasn't really thrown in the guts when the game was on the line, which was a bit strange. They leave him forward. Obviously, they want him to affect that contest. Maybe it's because um, Buddy was definitely underdone. But let's hope that they throw Heaney into the middle. I mean, he, he did score well in the last quarter, so... Um, Hopefully that's a sign of things to come that they can you know trust him and rely on him to to be kind of 
the game winner that he is. So uh, fingers crossed for Heaney. But I want to talk quickly about Callum Mills because he was threatening to play in the midfield um, this season, especially after his JLT series. But he spent a lot of time back in this game, JB. What did you make of it? And what would you do if you started Callum Mills? Quite frankly, he's probably one of their best defenders, Mills, that I think it works to his detriment. Did still get to 20 disposals and, and somehow booted a goal in there as well. But as you said, he's not going to score that well as a defender. He will have good scores, but he'll also have these scores around 79 where you just don't know what to do with it. So in my opinion, if I started him, uh, I'd be very concerned, but I'd at least give him another week. Sydney lost by, as we said, 17 points, three goals to the Western Bulldogs, who I don't think in the preseason they would have chalked up as a loss uh, before beforehand. So I think they surely changed some things up. Mills is good in the midfield as well. Hopefully him and uh, Heaney get a lot more run through their next game and we see a different contrast in scoring and hopefully Sydney's output as well. So I think he's... I just don't know with horse. I wish I did, but I don't. Yeah, he, he did get a bit of time in the midfield, but not as much as we were expecting. And honestly, if you, you picked Mills, I'd be looking at a get-out-of-jail plan for the next round. At least let's see how the next week of scoring goes. But I'd be considering my options, that's for sure. No doubt. Now, we'll jump into the next game, and it was Brisbane smacking the reigning premiers somehow. So this game, this round gets even more confusing as we go on. And Lockie Neal, 127 Supercoach points. If you started him, then kudos. And if you didn't, then it's probably a bit late until the uh, the buy rounds, unless you get some sort of long-term injury in the midfield. But he just looks great. He does look great. And honestly... He, is he even going to drop much in price? He's one of the most consistent midfielders. You're probably going to end up paying you know, 600k for him regardless. So if you start him, well done. He's just going to have a big year. Yep, and we'll talk about a couple of lines here. Harris Andrews was good and back in defense. What are your thoughts on him? He, he played on Darling all game, so he still played that big uh, key defensive role. Racked up 20 disposals off the back of six marks. Only the one tackle as well. It looked amazing, 93% time on ground and 117 supercoach points. I love watching Harris Andrews play. He's he, great. He's an, he's an unbelievable defender. Like, I'd be surprised if he wasn't, you know, the All-Australian fullback multiple times over the next decade. He's that good. And the thing with Andrews is he gets quite a bit of the ball as well. 20 touches is, is really good for a big man. Obviously, the, we don't even see the amount of spoils and the points he gets for spoils, which would be just a massive amount to his tally every single week. Andrews, the problem is, you know at some stage he's just going to have a down game where he scores like 50 and doesn't get much of the ball because he's a fullback and that's that's what will happen. And I think it might be worthwhile targeting him um, when he drops in price when he inevitably has a poor game. But honestly, if you started him, well done for having the guts to do it because he's still going to average at least close to the top six defenders this year, and I think you've, you've done really well. Speaking of having guts, Dane Zorko priced uh, around the 500k mark, did score 112 supercoach points, 20 disposals, but eight tackles, uh, did kick a goal also, looked very good as well, Pistol. Yeah, this is standard Zorko numbers, though. Like, 20 touches, 8 tackles, and a goal, 110 points. Like, that. that's kind of what you expect from Zorko. I think I'd still... I definitely would lean towards locking Neil if I had to pick a midfielder, and I think there's still another half a dozen midfielders I'd rather have than Zorko, but he was certainly good value at 520k. I mean, I was tossing up. I had him 
over Brayshaw for most of the preseason, switch back to Brayshaw after the, the JLT series. But um, yeah, if you manage to hold thick with him, I, I think you're you're doing well as well. Definitely agreed. And just lastly, on the Brisbane side of things, Alex within. 97 points off the back of 25 disposals. If you started him, big tick there as well. I think a lot of people were concerned with his JLT, but I mean, the proof is in the pudding. He scored 97 in the first week, and if he can average around that, he'll be in the top eight defenders. And quickly, we just should touch on Lincoln McCarthy, priced at 242k. He did score 86 after a very slow start where he was in the negatives for a lot of the first quarter. Um, that's a good score for his price. Had a very good JLT. Let's wait and see how he goes next week. Yeah, I mean, I refuse to believe that he'll be good. He did score <laughs> he four goals, to... so I think he... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to <laughs> let's, trust. Let's, let's just see how he goes next week. He's cheaper than Jamie Elliott, and I think he will outscore him as well. Fine. All right, so West Coast Eagles are the next team to discuss. Dom Sheed, 144 Supercoach points. Who would have thought, Pistol? Where were the signs that he could do this? <laughs> it hit us right in the face, didn't it? And we've just been ignoring it for the entire preseason and last year, right? Oh, it's unbelievable. Obviously, he did a lot of this in the JLT and in the final series last year. 144 Supercoach points, 38 disposals. Oh, boy. I mean, I don't think we have regrets yet, but we did not consider him almost at all during the preseason and the only thing I can say really that would slow him down at this point besides the fact that he isn't the sort of player that I would imagine would average 115 plus but Gaff is yet to come into the side and might slow him down but he didn't in the JLT. Yeah it's one of those things where you kind of you're like Dom Sheed's not going to be in the top eight midfielders so you kind of just like counted out for the entire preseason and it's like hitting you on the face it's like oh he got 40 touches with Sheed in the team that's fine and it's like oh yeah he got 39 touches with sorry I meant Gaff in the team um he got 39 touches in the second JLT with Gaff in the team and you're like yep that that's cool and then he just comes out with 38 touches and you're like wow that's surprising that he <laughs> Where did, did well. this come from <laughs> but like it's just there the whole time and you just kind of ignore it because you're like surely not like it's it's Dom Sheed it can't happen um but let me tell you JB 21 contested possessions. That's not that's not someone who's getting the cheap ball. That's not someone who's not willing to work hard um, to score these points. And anyone who gets 21 contested possessions, it's, it's you have to sit up and take note. And you're going to be like, hang on, this guy could definitely be the real deal. If he's going to win his own ball and not relying on other people, then there's no reason why he can't score well every week. And the thing with Dom Sheet is we have no idea what he could score. Like, he could be the number one averaging Supercoach player this season. It, it, I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, he, I doubt he will be. But no, I'm just know. saying, we don't know what his ceiling is. Like, we, we're just like, oh, yeah, he, he's not going to average 115. Like, he's not going to average 105. He might go around 100. But we're, we're just guessing. He's, he's scored, like, 340s in a row. He, <laughs> like, we're just ignoring all this information and data and being like, yeah, he'll slow down when, when Gaff's back. But... We didn't have any evidence of any of this happening. So we're just like, yeah, it's Dom Sheet. It can't happen. Um, but it might. So I have <laughs> oh, no idea wow. what to do with all of this information. I have no idea what to do. I mean, I've got a, I've got a bit of a question without notice here. If he was sitting on the waiver wire in your keeper league and you had the number one waiver pick, <laughs> what would you do? 
Uh, I'd probably take Dom Sheed, I think. Uh, any reason? That's a very specific question. No, no reason. No reason. No, I'm sure people out there have that issue, though. Um, we'll okay. move on to uh, Petricelli, who looks okay. Uh, 44 points off the back of zero goals for the game. West Coast, I doubt, will get flogged by 60 points by a, a team that was almost bottom last year too often. So hopefully uh, hopefully he doesn't get dropped. I don't think he will get dropped. I think uh, they took a lot of tools into this game, so one of them is more likely to go uh, over Petrocelli. But those who started him, just hope that he doesn't get dropped, and I think we'll see some decent scores out of him in the next few weeks anyway. Uh, just lastly, Elliot Yo, 83 supercoach points. If you took the plunge on him as a point of difference option, I think the 44% disposal efficiency was a big hurt, uh, big hurting factor. <laughs> Uh, big hurt, JB. <laughs> yeah, not sure where I was going with that one, but it did definitely sting those who started him. So 83, I think we can expect better throughout the season, though, Pistol. Yep, and uh, Shannon Hearn just did kind of what you expected. The ball was in their back line a lot, and he got a lot of rebound 50s, and he used the ball excellently, 90% disposal efficiency, and uh, that's what he does, 108 points. All right, now on to the most irrelevant game in football ever, and it was St. Kilda versus Gold Coast. Saints taking this one by a point, uh, winning, going undefeated after the first round and not getting into the top eight. Sorry, Saints supporters, but that doesn't feel good. Um, Jack Steele at the top of the list here. After a poor first quarter, did turn around and average, uh, got up to 115 points. 22 disposals as we expect him to hover around all season around that 25 mark. But Pistol, I don't know if you remember my ridiculous call in the preseason, but I said this man will break the record for tackles per game or tackles in a season, and he was able to put 10 on the board in round one. He did, JB. Um, He played 91% time on ground as well, which is a great sign. And really was the match winner in this match. He, he came home really hard, only needed the 22 possessions to score 115 Supercoach points as he does. It's looking like a good pick after a one game, small sample size. I always get nervous when these low possessions, like 20 possessions, ton up, but you know he's done it time and time again, so that just might be his thing, and uh, we'll see how he goes next week. Yeah, no doubt. Now, uh, next we'll look at Matthew Parker. If you did start him, Happy days. I wouldn't be trusting him too often on the field. I did score 87. Looked amazing as well. So a lot of positives to come from it. I'm I'm not saying don't put him on the field ever, but he's not going to play Gold Coast every week. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think he's a bit of an unpredictable one, Pistol. I'm not not sure about you there. I'm just laughing because in in our Slack, um, (laughs) Clayton said, he said if he's like, just a reminder, Parker's not going to play. Uh, Suns every week and everyone was liking it and I'm like just a reminder they have Essendon next week who are probably worse than the Suns <laughs> oh, so no. expecting right, well, another big score apologies to the Essendon fans out there I think that's harsh on your club yeah it was a, it was a big hurt to them JB ouch that's a, that's a big hurt to me as well so. <laughs> uh, Jack Billings in this one 88 supercoach points uh, leading disposal getter for the game I'm, I'm pretty sure no not for the game for St Kilda he was though 28 disposals, 4 marks, and uh, 91% time on ground. All the signs were looking good, but just 88 super coach points. And if he's not turning up in a win against Gold Coast Pistol, when is he going to turn up? Well, that's exactly it. He's such an outside player, only the seven contested possessions. I don't have any faith whatsoever in Billings and never have. 
Oh, I mean, I have last year and <laughs> wow. it hurt a lot. But yeah, I have no faith that he'll bounce back this year at, at all. Um, and 88 is okay, but as you said, this was a game where he really needed to go big and didn't quite show it to me. And if he comes out next week against the Dons in another victory and only manages another 80 score, um, I'd be getting quite worried. Well, if I started Callum Wilkie, I wouldn't be worried at all about his start to the season. Uh, just the 11 touches, but did not turn the ball over once at the 100% disposal efficiency, hence his 70 super coach points. But I think the main concern with Wilkie is his job security. Um, I expect him to hover around 55-ish average for the season, so a 70 is a big, well, a good start for someone that obviously is expected to go 15 points lower. But what are your thoughts on his job security? Um, obviously, not missing a target this game is, is obviously going to help, but uh, do you think he's sort of going to be a, a one-and-done or two-and-done? or where, where are our thoughts here? Why did I start Wilkie on the field? Who does that, JB? It's so random. It seems like a flex, but... No, it's like, in hindsight, that was way too ballsy. I should not have done that. That could have gone incredibly poorly. He, he, he took a, you know, a great mark in the final term, um, an intercept mark deep in defense. But for the whole game, I was just stressing out that he's just going to get dropped and wasn't scoring well. He was at, on like 24 at half time, And I'm like, uh-oh, eight at quarter time. I'm like, what have I done? At least um, I was feeling better because the alternative was Sam Collins, who was you know, matching him in scores. Um, <laughs> but Wilkie's, yeah, last half was excellent and he managed to, to score well. But I have no faith in um, a lot of these St Kilda rookies. I think um, Joyce who gave away six free kicks, I think is definitely going to be on the block because he just panics when the ball was around him, hence why he gave away so many frees. Um, yeah, a lot of these... these That's um, a lot of free I kicks. Guess, in, inexperienced uh, St Kilda defenders will be on the chopping block in the coming week. So um, I'm not feeling great about Wilkie. I'm happy for his score and would love to see him come out next week and you know absolutely blitz it, but I'm feeling pretty uncomfortable with a, a couple of my selections. Well, let's chat about Gold Coast. Uh, I think there's... Well, I mean, if you, there's good news if you started with Anthony Myers because he did look good. Uh, 95 Supercoach points, as Pistol said, that he failed to really go under too often. He usually scores around that 90 to 95 range uh, very, very exclusively. He doesn't really go Frequently. elsewhere. Uh, I think exclusively was the better term. But... It's fine. We'll talk about this off air. <laughs> um the, the good and bad news is uh, what we said about Burgess, or what I specifically said about Burgess in the preseason was correct. 28 Supercoach points does <laughs> not have the scoring potential to be viable as an on-field option, a bench option, or even a bot option that should be available to be picked in the game at all, Pistol. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you on this one because I did in the preseason and it has not gone well with my predicted four-game average of 60, 60. points. Um, yeah, that's that's looking poor, but I'm looking forward to his ton next week <laughs> to balance it all out, JB. Okay. Well, I'll, uh, I'll chat to you when that happens. Samuel okay. Collins, though. <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Collins was bad. Uh, put up 27 points uh, in a more key defensive role, but uh, just the five disposals, three marks, and... Look, I don't want to get too negative about this sort of thing. Uh, he was on my field, so I'm very upset. But I think he dropped about 412 catchable marks, Pistol. He dropped a lot of marks for someone who intercept marks for a career. Yep. 
so is, many marks. Uh, that's a lot of marks. I mean, he didn't even look like he wanted to like get the ball, like win possessions. He was like, yeah, I'm just going to take these marks. I'm going to spoil. I'm going to be a proper lockdown fullback, which is, I guess, kind of what we should have expected once Thompson was out with that ACL injury. But yeah, he was not interested in yeah winning touches and playing any sort of super coach friendly role. Um, unfortunately, he's very team focused and is going to be a, a good addition to their side and a very poor addition to our super coach sides. Well, Sam Day may be back next week. Is that hopefully a shining light for us? I mean, let's just you, you know, just keep praying. I guess I think that's. Uh, I wouldn't be having him on the field at this point, obviously. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> I think he's a very, very bad on-field option now. No, that, that's fair enough. There, I do want to quickly touch on um, a player that's kind of jumped out at me over the JLT. Couldn't really see any reason why you would start him, but now I'm kind of regretting it. Charlie Ballard in the JLT series scored quite well. Um, he managed in the first JLT to score 74 and then 83 in the second JLT. He's now put out an 105. Um, he's 240k defender. So he's at least in that Darcy Moore price range. So if you're not feeling Darcy Moore, you can, I guess, keep your eye on Ballard. I can't say I know too much about him except that he played, he, he's 195 centimeters. So he's a big guy, but he played kind of more midfield forward this game rather than in yeah, the jail he was, he was playing he was as a defender. Forward. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I can't can't really say too much except maybe just keep a watch for a potential out there cash cow. Definitely out there, but with that sort of scoring it's hard to ignore it, especially at that price. So yeah, one to keep an eye on for another week at least and maybe if Darcy Moore gets injured in a week like we like he usually does every every two weeks, then maybe one to go down to pistol. What what do you make of uh, Pierce Hanley's game, and what should owners do? Cry. Yeah, I think that's a good answer to that question. <laughs> I mean, he did not look like Pierce Hanley. He, he had some good spurts, but wowzers, he was just not good at football at all. <laughs> I'd be well, very concerned if I owned him. He got he got a couple of like head high knocks that the umpire said he ducked into it, and one time he gave away a free uh, for holding the ball. But it happened twice. I thought that was pretty funny because both times to me, it looked like it wasn't on purpose. He just like was bending down and got hit in the head. So that could have, they're like those 50-50 calls that can go either way. And it's like 10-point swings each time. Um, and he got two of them in a game. But still, he did not look like he was setting the world on fire. And I would be quite concerned if I did have Hanley. Obviously, I'd, I'd give it another week, but I'd also be looking for my get-out-of-jail-free card at some stage, either you know, downgrading to a rookie or even potentially going up if you had a spare couple of, maybe even just 100k just to get to Newman or something more reasonable. I don't think it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's definitely got to cost them something, unfortunately. Oh, just a trade, but we got 30 of them, JB. <laughs> oh, yeah, good, good way to look at it, Pistol. Says the man who runs out at, at round 16 every year. I've already used six. Um, I, <laughs> I would be surprised if you sent a massive email just saying, look, I need to use six this round, Harold's son. Just let it go through. <laughs> Um, we'll move on to the second to last game of the round it was GWS smacking Essendon into next week and I mean they might even get I mean it might be further than that hopefully they bounce back because it was a bit of a poor thing to actually watch happen Pistol it was a bit of a sad effort yeah 
I was pretty happy with Cornelio though, so that went all right. He he was unbelievable. 154 Supercoach points. Um, with 54% yeah. efficiency. 54. What? Oh man, the, the first like, I think it was he had, I think it was like four or five touches in the first two minutes and three of them were clangers and I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> like <laughs> this isn't a good start. But then he just, yeah, dominated. He kicked three goals. He had 31 touches, seven tackles. He was absolutely everywhere and I love watching him play. He's fifty-four super coach. He's unbelievable. Watch out. You, Watch out. You'd want two or three of him in your side at all times. He can. He's such a dominant forward when he goes up there. And with his size, it just makes absolutely no sense that he'd be good up there. But he, every time he goes up there, he kicks goals. It's just crazy. He's I such like a good how player. Him and Taranto, who combined for like 61 possessions between them, also combined for 50% disposal efficiency. And five and goals. St- yeah, and five goals. Crazy. Like, that's insane. Just the amount of stats and strange ones as well. Taranto um, scoring 112, but 30 touches, two goals, eight clangers, and 46% disposal efficiency. Uh, that game is... talk. It sounds like it's going amazing and then just like drops away real fast. Well, every single giant pretty much turned up except for the two most popular, which were... Zach Williams and Toby Green. So Toby Green just 78 supercoach points in 71% time on ground. Did kick a goal. Uh, got a couple of free kicks go his way, but no tackles, which I think is surprising. I think actually I saw him make a couple of tackles, so I don't know if Champion Data hate him, but um, <laughs> yeah, just an interesting game from Toby Green. But I think he's warming up, Pistol. I'm, I'm still happy owning him. His first half was very good. He was pushing high up. Um, on the ground, he wasn't staying deep forward, which I was a little bit worried about. And he was, you know, getting the ball himself. And he only kicked the one goal, and it was definitely in junk time, as was majority of goals in this match. But I think <laughs> any goal Green, after the first quarter was junk time, <laughs> pretty much. And that is the sad truth. But Toby Green, I'm not really worried about at this point in time. Maybe if he came out with five more weeks scoring similarly, but he really looked like he was going in the right direction and I, th- I feel like a big score is around the corner as well so I'm quietly content um, owning him because he looked 10 times I guess better than he looked at this time this stage last year um, JB that's not actually true he scored 130 in round one last year I meant 10 times better just like in general compared to how his year went does that make it better nope okay fair enough can understand that um, I did want to say how do you see now after round one the positioning of Lockie Whitfield and how do you think he's going to go during this season because this was a point of contention I guess for the entirety of the preseason and JLT where they threw him around everywhere but now that we've got a bit more data what how do you see this going down yeah still played on a wing was able to get 30 touches um and oh they just it's kind of like I mean, it's not to the extent of Jake Lloyd, but they really do try and find him because he's so good by foot and, you know, 19 kicks, 11 handballs. He, he uses the ball so well. Uh, only went at 70% disposal efficiency, which isn't great. <laughs> I, like, you might laugh, but I'm talking more penetration and, and yeah. I mean, when you watch him play, it's more than what you see on the actual statistics afterwards. But um, yep. they really do try and find him around the ground and, and he does generally use it very well. Only 105 this game, but... I'd be very confident if I owned him and uh, going into the first few upgrades of the season, I think he'll be right up there on our watch lists. Yeah, but again, 
I feel like the tag is coming his way at some stage, hopefully soon, because I want to get him and I need his price to fall. Yeah, so, when he drops in price after that inevitable tag, I think a lot of people will be jumping on. Yeah, it just may never turn up. So, you know, fingers crossed for owners, it, it doesn't at all, or at least in the latter half of the year when everyone else owns him, because I'm sure he'll make his way into everyone's sides. Um, in terms of like a, a football note as a whole, JB, Dawson Simpson was so good in this match. He completely dominated Tom Bell Chambers. I don't know for certain if Dawson Simpson plays as well as he did in this game next week, if they will definitely drop him straight away for Mumford. They, Is that a big call? I, I don't think so. And Dawson Simpson has always played good and has actually always played good for GWS as well. Um, always kind of been unlucky with how their rucks have actually gone uh, beside him. But I think they said in the preseason that they were willing to put someone like Shane Mumford at centre-half forward and, and see how he went there because I think Dawson Simpson's pivotal to this team and, and he's such a good tap ruckman and I definitely wouldn't be dropping him for Shane Mumford after a couple of years out of footy. So I think he definitely plays a half a, or a dozen sorry, or more games this season and it's only the form that will dictate. Yeah. I also just did want to make something I found a bit humorous in the the game was Lockie Keefe was playing down back and um, hurt his knee. So what they did was they took him off and that they strapped humorous? him up. No, no, that's not the humorous part. The oh, humorous good. part was they thought, let's not put him somewhere near the ball so that he, you know, <laughs> he's obviously not not going to be running as well and is not going to be at his best capacity. So what they did is they put Finlayson down back and they put Keefe up forward. He bagged a few goals. Yeah, well, the ball was in the three goals too, and the ball was in the forward line the entire game. So yeah. he got so much more of the ball and was so much more involved than you would have if they just left him at full back. As soon as he came um, back on, he, he clunked the mark and kicked a goal. It was crazy. Yeah, like, like, first play, really straight funny. off the bench. That's wild. It, it, it was definitely a good laugh. Now, uh, talking about, I was going to say good laughs, and very sad news, uh, the Bombers, who stood out for you as uh, super coach options? And on to the next game. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, no one. That's the point, isn't it? They they weren't good at all, and they got dominated in every facet, including on the super coach scoreboard as well. Devin Smith, what, uh, 70... What do you do? Sorry? What do you do? What, what happens if you have Smith? What happens if you have Merritt? What happens if you have McGrath? I'll tell you what. If you have Zach Merritt, I would avoid Twitter for the week because there's a lot of videos of him chasing and, and attempting to tackle, in quotation marks, attempting to tackle, that were taken in the first quarter where it does not look like he even cares about playing football. They are. I, I, I'll tag you in them after this game, after this podcast pistol, but they're very damning. And if I had Zach Merritt, I've, 16 disposals, an insipid performance by his whole entire team, himself included, it's... Danger signs is, is warning signs, and a lot of people were predicting this team to be top eight. A lot of their supporters, admittedly, were predicting them to be a bit higher than that. But exactly, what do you do if they're putting out performances like this, even monthly? Then you don't want to own any of their assets. It's just amazing. Forty points for a game is just unbelievable for a team with their sort of capabilities. And yeah, it, yeah I can't. I, you can't talk. Badly, and I don't want to take a whole podcast talking about how bad Essendon were, but I, I just can't consider any of their options at all. I mean, Ridley was the only one I'd give a pass to in regards to Supercoach this game. 
Yeah, I think you. We don't even need to talk about individual performances because there's no point. It's that if they come out next week and get trashed by the, the Saints, who most people would also predict are close to a, a bottom four caliber side, then you just need to get rid of all your bombers' assets until they sort their, their stuff out for the next, you know, back half of the season or so. Yeah, and. Yeah, I mean, we'll move on to the next game. And, and North Melbourne are in a similar vein of form, losing to Fremantle by near on 100 points uh, to a team that, I mean, they've got one of the best players in the competition with Nat Fife, but a team that has lost players in the off-season, doesn't even have their star recruit out there at the moment. And another performance where you, you just you expect better. And if you had North Melbourne assets, there's only a couple that I'd even consider in my sides. And Bailey Scott's one of them, being a rookie in 103 Supercoach points in on debuts, Sensational from him, 81% time on ground. He ticked every single box. But besides that, you're looking at Goldstein and, and that's about it, Pistol. I, I don't understand what North Melbourne did because they brought in players who could actually play football. Like, Polek's good and Hall is all right and then they just like got worse. It doesn't really make much sense. Um, maybe they just need to regroup and try again <laughs> for, next, for next game. Um, but yeah, at the moment, outside of Goldie and Bailey Scott, I'd kind of be staying away from everyone. I mean, McMillan looked really good in the JLT and then came out again with 37 touches. He had 40 in the JLT and now 37. So maybe I'll keep an eye on him. But Scott Thompson wasn't playing. He might take some kickouts as well. So um, let's just reassess on McMillan next week. But other than that, yeah, this is one of those teams where you just be saying, nope, none from you. I'll uh, look somewhere else instead. Credit to the small amount of coaches that did start. Luke Davies, Uniac, he did look excellent as well. Uh, in terms of super coach scoring, only got the 15 disposals, but ended up getting to 80 super coach points. So he priced around the same as the Cousins and Sam Walsh's of the world. So that's a good start for him. Definitely. But Fremantle had five. He had 16 contested possessions at half time, oh, God. which is unbelievable. But this isn't something we didn't know, right? Like, no one didn't pick Fife because of his scoring potential. The only reason people didn't want to pick Fife was because they thought that he doesn't play 22 games, which uh, we can't really make a decision on until it gets later in the year. But more pain is coming for those that don't own Fife because the next four rounds he's probably going to average 150 points and if you missed him you did so knowing that he was going to score well um, so just back your gut and know that you'll probably pick somebody that will hopefully play 22 games and you've chosen them because you thought Fife wouldn't have played 22 games um, and I think it's pretty much as simple as that JB yeah just rest him next week Ross <laughs> I think he's going to get rested, but yeah, it, it it does. It is hard not to get you know those weak knees and get those uh, trades. It looks all nice when you trade your Oliver to Fife, but at the end of the day, oh, they're, they're not worth those trades. So if you've chosen, you've spent months, weeks preparing your super coach sides. You don't you know lose faith in everything you've learnt and known the whole preseason just because of one week of results. Well, speaking of weak knees, David Mundy has got to be bordering on arthritis levels at the moment with his age. <laughs> 73 super coach points and 20 disposals in this one. Good segue. But I like um, that one. <laughs> he was really eased into it. Um, 70% time on ground, 65% disposal efficiency. Not exactly David Mundy-like numbers, but 
If he did start him, I saw a lot of people quite upset at his production, but I wouldn't be too concerned if, if I started him. I'd be a little concerned, given how he scored. It was one of his worst scores that I can remember for a long time. So let's just wait and see how Monday goes next week. If he scores another mid-70 score, then I think we've got some issues, but we'll uh, certainly revisit this one next week. But JB, it was Michael Walters who came out with 109 points. I know he was on the radar of some people for F3. Now, he didn't actually play midfield. He played as a forward, and the ball was there so much during the match, and he kicked three goals. Uh, Does this change anything for you, or do you still think it's too risky to, to be picking Michael Walters? Yeah, Michael Walters is always an interesting one, and... I sort of I say this uh, every time someone talks to me about considering him. He can either make your week up there in the best of the bloody country, or he can ruin it with some other hot-headed decisions or injury, or you know he's suspended or just something. Um, he's either pumping out a one thirty or you know doing one of the the bad things that I just listed. So if you're keen on that roller coaster ride, uh, just for the fact that he can average you know around the one hundred one hundred five ish mark, if he's really really having a hot season then by all means be my guest but i just can't properly consider someone who can rule my week as as well as he can make it fair enough jb and um i think that is pretty much the end of the round recap so i do just want to give a shout out to the person who is leading the dr supercoach group um which you can find on our facebook page uh, or our group code which is um 104500 um, and that this uh, honor of this week it goes to Keostar um, or coach coach Jamie of Keostar who scored 2331 this week so awesome effort there and I also want to give a shout out to the person leading our Dr. Supercoach Prize League um, which is part of our Patreon uh, winner at the end of the month gets a prize so there is another another week in March so Get a hang on, but uh, to Wushka, he scored 2,215, so great effort there. Try and uh, hold on and do it for uh, Team Pistol. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about you, isn't it, Pistol? Wushka's about to win an an amazing prize, and you just jump on the the Team Pistol bandwagon. under the guidance of a good coach, JB. (laughs) (laughs) So now you're taking his credit as well. He's actually given me more advice than I've given him. Uh, I think this preseason. Well, that that's how the Patreon does work. So whoever does sign up, thank you because you'll be helping our seasons more. No, than, no, that's is that not. how we're, we're selling actually it now, specifically uh, targeting um, Shane's. So all Shane. No, I'm kidding. I'm def- <laughs> throw throw back to the first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brilliant. Well, I think this is a good time to finish the podcast, Pistol. So um, I'll link the socials. Firstly, uh, on Twitter, you can find Pistol underscore drsc uh you can find chizo at chizo underscore drsc and myself jb at underscore drsc as well the main twitter is dr underscore sc uh, giving you all the news as quickly as we can find it and the uh the quarter by quarter updates as well and make sure obviously you're following our facebook page as well so uh, leave a comment on any of the social media platforms and advise as to whether you enjoyed the podcast or not. And we'll catch you later on in the week for the team reveals, the uh, the teams finally coming out and showing who... who yeah, we'll, we'll do a podcast on Thursday right when the, the teams are dropped, as usual, back into our routine of one on uh, one 
coming out on Tuesday and one hopefully coming out on Friday morning as well. Um, and just again, if you enjoyed the podcast, feel free to uh, donate on behalf to the Cancer Council or if you did cop a donut this week, um, Cancer Council right there, donate for donuts. And that will be linked again in um, our descriptions and in the comments section of our Facebook on this podcast post, along with our Patreon Um, so you can check out all the goodies there as well. Excellent. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you later on in the week.